Welcome to the 200% Life Podcast with Adam Hergenrother and Caitlin Frotland, where we bring you weekly insights into spiritual growth and business success. So one of the wonderful questions that we get a lot is, do I need to meditate? Do I need to meditate? And if I try to meditate, I can't do it. Um, a few of my friends have, have read my book. Partly they bought it because they just felt bad and they wanted to buy it and, and read it. And, and interestingly enough, they're, again, part of that is that they're like, this actually wasn't bad. I always love when people come in there. They're like, this was actually pretty good. Like it's, and I'm like, did you expect it not to be? I get what they're saying, but it's funny. And then they eventually, I always feel like meditation always, because people know I meditate a lot. And that usually comes in some form of asking around about meditation, right? Um, and, and people are like, do I need to meditate to be able to do this? And, you know, uh, what, what do you think? Well, well <laughs> I, think it's, I think it changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it depends where you are on your journey. I know for me, I asked the question, do I need to meditate? Probably two years before I actually started meditating. Interesting, you know? yeah. Like I... Like, what made oh, you start thinking of meditation? Did you read something or was it just? I think it was um, that book, 10% Happier. Mm. And I was like, 10% Happier sounds pretty good, yeah. you know? But then, like reading Michael Singer and whatnot, I'm like, oh, 10% is just scratching the surface, you know? So then I think that, like, understanding how meditation can contribute to uh, inner state of joy, like, consistently, um, is really great motivation to deepen meditation and i mean the thing that i love about michael singer as well and other teachers that, who say you don't need to do it for two hours yeah. or one hour and when i first started i was meditating 45 minutes now i'm just 20 minutes yeah um i try to do twice a day but more often it's one yeah um but yeah you know it's fascinating you know for me meditation was the first kind of gateway drug if you will gateway kind of drug into spirituality that kind of put me into that direction and then it kind of opened it up um, and I remember it was, it was really after, um, you know, we did last week, we did an episode on money. Um, and it was really after, for me, after hitting certain financial goals, it real really, truly cementing in there. And I knew the whole time I was doing it. I was like, why am I keep doing this? Keep doing this. But I was just in the, I was in the river, right. And I was going downhill. I'm just going with it. And finally, like it just came to an eddy and I just, I just pulled over and I was like, well, this isn't going to do anymore. Um, and that's when, you know, my wife actually bought me for, I think it was for our, birthday is what it was uh, a session with two meditators who had just moved up here mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know anything about meditation I didn't really know anything and what the hook was for me because I had thought you know meditation this was 2009 so meditation was was coming on the scene but not like it is today right like I mean there's meditation rooms in airports and like you, know, yeah. you, can, you can anything and so um, and I tried like a meditation app or two of those things I was I was right there with everybody I was like meditation is not for me like I'm, I am too much of a go-getter. Like I just, I can't settle any of these things. And, um, she, Sarah, she was like, well, you should try transcendental meditation. And I hadn't heard of it before, but what got it was, she was like, here are six people that do it. And it was like Oprah mm-hmm. and it was like Ray Dalio who she knows I'm a big fan of Ray Dalio. And it was Hugh Jackman and Jerry Seinfeld and, um, Howard Stern, like, you know, and she just named all these and like, and they had quotes about TM about how that affected his life. And the one that really got me was, you know, for, for Ray Dalio, he was like, it literally gave me the clarity in my business for my business to be what I was. And he said it was the single most important thing he ever did in his life um, because of what it did to allow to for better decision making and everything else he did in his life. And it was, and I'm paraphrasing what it said, but that's essentially what it was. And so I signed up because like that was from there. I was like, well, I can do better in business. It's going to be great. <laughs> 
And um, I remember going in the the first, I went to the introductory session and then I, I scheduled like the next day and I went in and did that. And I remember the first time I meditated with, with him in the room, Dr. Smith in the room, it was like, I remember like, it was such a contrast to, I don't know if you felt like this, but it was such a contrast to what originally, like from like my outer experience was, my feet were numb, like they were tingling, like all these different sensations. And it lasted like that for probably about six months. And then it went away. Mm -hmm. um, and it went into much more ordinary. And then throughout the years, I mean, it's like 200 plus thousand hours at this point. And I started speeding it up. I would go to like, I would every two months or so, I was going to a weekend retreats for meditation. I'd meditate all week. I would go there on a Thursday and I wouldn't leave till Sunday. Sarah was doing it with me. We didn't have kids at the time, so it made mm -hmm. it very easy. So for the first like three years until Sarah became pregnant, um, and had our standard in 2012, that first three years, it was like, we did all, we went everywhere and traveled around meditations, and different mm -hmm. things and kind of sped it up. And there's all these different things happened with my physical body and expressions and throats and just vibrations and all. And I learned all about that stuff from people that were teaching in trainings and I would, they would bring people in or I'd fly to where people were doing certain events around meditation. And I would just listen and acknowledge and then kind of be in the rooms with different people. I actually, I'll, big into yogic flying. I never did it, but my body would vibrate so much at different times, especially in the long meditation retreats. I was like, well, maybe I'm really, I always felt like I was really close to being able to fly. And so Dr. Smith bought me a book as a gift and gave it to me for yogic flying. And, um, cause I actually straight up asked him one time, I was like, I actually asked him, I think he hate me for saying this in public, but I was like, do you ever see anybody like meditating, like levitating? And he was like, and he would never answer the question. Mm -hmm. And as I got deeper in my relationship with him, finally, he just he looked at me and he said, yes, I've seen plenty of people levitating right next to me. Um, oh. And he was like, I've seen them. Like they were just, they are over there. They're levitating. There's over here. They're levitating. He's like, I've seen it many times. Um, but he's like, it's just, it, it doesn't really matter. And I mm -hmm. get what he's saying now. At the time I was like, well, that'd be really cool if I could show that off, right? Like the total wrong reasons to want to be doing that. Um, but that kind of got me into this. Actually, I think the, the yoga flying book is still in my office out there. Um, so that, that was kind of like the into it. And that, for me, what it did is start to recognize like how I just remember being so um, blown away by how much, how much thought I had and how much the thought was controlling my actions. And I couldn't stop it. And I, and I did not like that. I don't know if I ever said it. Like I just remember being in meditation being like, I see all these thoughts and the minute I get out of meditation, like I couldn't, there wasn't the separation yet. So I would like get indirectly glued to my thoughts or Velcro to my thoughts again. And they would just take me from, for what it was. Uh, and then, but that was really the only techniques that I was, that I applied to spirituality. I started journaling during that time and exercising. Um, but then it was right around was 2011 or 12 or so is when I started really learning other techniques from other people. Um, uh, uh, really the ones, which is like the everyday meditation technique, which is not a meditation, which is using your meditation as a way of frame of reference and going, there's thoughts, bring that into your actions. And then every time that you're disturbed, which is what we teach now, which is the relax, release and act, right? Which is like, how do you pause? Just let the energy flow through the Dalai Lama calls it his sacred pause. Right. And he says, this is, you ever get angry? And he said, yes, of course I do. And he said, but it only lasts for three seconds. Because by the time you know, a sacred pause and by the time one, two, three exits out, the energy has gone itself, which is the same thing of what Michael Singer says, relax, right? Like, or what, you know, Eckhart Tolle would say is be in the present moment. Because if you're in the present moment, you can't be glued to the thought, right? So it's like any one of these techniques that people are teaching are all pointing to you not being glued to a thought. Right. And again, there's, there's many different ways that people, you know, we were chatting before we got on the podcast, like you can grab a 
you know, I've, I've heard other teachers talk about wearing a wristband and snapping it every 10 minutes, bringing your attention to it, right? Which will bring you enlightenment or doing yoga for a period of time or every day for a long period of time or asanas, and that can bring you to it. And again, all of that is basically bringing down to the point of what I'm doing is I'm, I'm diverting myself, distracting myself from the personal mind and bringing my attention into the moment for what I'm doing, which is a form of enlightenment, right? Because when you're in the moment and you're not listening to the mind, or you're not glued to it, or the thoughts aren't glued to it, then you are, uh, you are, I'm not gonna use the word enlightened because that's a state, but you are in the state of enlightenment, right? You're experiencing the consciousness of what it's like, which is why, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this, uh, I should have seen the project you call. The other day I was, um, uh, and there's something else I wanna bring up after that, but I was I was driving, this was like a week ago, I was driving, we, have, we, live, we live in Stowe, so there's a lot of snow where we are, and I was coming over this hill, and it just snowed in. Like we weren't supposed to get snow, but it had been snowing. Like, did it snow at your house, by the way, for like yeah. nonstop for like two days? Like it just snowed. Yeah. But like, before that, it was raining. Raining. And then it, and then just, it just, snowed. Yeah. And it just, it, where we are, just like pocket of snow. So it may have been like seven inches. But it like, the, the snow was like solid ice. You ever seen that? Like, you know, like it's not ice, but it's snow. You know what I'm talking about? It's yeah. so like packed down mm-hmm. and it just becomes ice. And I come to the top of the hill and our hill is like 200 yards and I was going 11 miles an hour from the top of the hill and my truck just started sliding yeah. and I'm sliding and I'm watching this whole thing unfold and there's an intersection to where the road is and then over there's an embankment. Mm. So I'm sliding directly down into it like this and I tried to like pump my brakes. I tried putting my car in reverse, mm. my truck in reverse and I have studded tires on this thing and I tried to like pump the brakes, take off the brakes, turn anything, nothing was happening. I was just sliding. And I was I was like now going 13 miles an hour and I'm going 14 miles an hour. So I'm coming in this. And finally at some point I realized like this is going to happen, right? Like, and there's two huge pine trees right in front of me where there's a little like smaller spruce tree that's like five inches around. And, but the problem is there's an embankment that drops off significantly right there. And I wasn't afraid of like dying, like per se. Like I didn't think I was going to get hurt. I was more of like my airbag's going to explode and it's gonna in your car is disabled once your airbag. You want to go over an embankment? Yeah, you just, you just didn't want to do. It. I was like, this is gonna be it. Yeah. So if I just let go, and I once like I once I got about probably two seconds away from like the impact, I realized it's gonna happen. I just let go of it, and then all of a sudden I just started turning the wheel as if like as soon as I hit the snowbank, it got some traction, and I turned it just sideways enough that I avoided the pine trees, and I took out two five-inch spruce trees, which I had a skid plate on my truck, and, it, and the skid. And those actually just wiped them right over and just kind of hung right out over there. And I expected there to be a lot of damage to my truck. I walk out there. My buddy came, pulled me out. There was nothing. There was like a couple, there's some dents and it's pushing a little bit, but nothing like I thought it was. Mm. And I, it was, it was kind of this experience of like, but, but in that moment, by the way, I was in a state of consciousness of, of, of what people, cause it was, everything was heightened, right? Mm. You weren't thinking anything else mm, in that right. state, right? Nothing else. There was no thought. There was no premeditative thought that had gone away. And it was just in that form of you're just now acting. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I just, I was like, wow, that is, a, then as soon as it's over, like you just, you're there and you can do that. But I was like, that's just a great example of that. You know, it happens in sports, but also happens in, in moments like that. But when you're in those moments, there is no thought, right? You're just acting and moving in those, in those different directions. Um, and I think that's what, uh, what, what meditation can bring about is you start to be aware that you can, you can, be interacting with life without having the mind having to tell you how to interact with life or 
narrating life for you and you're just truly having the experience of it. You may, if somebody dies close to you, you're going to, of course, you're going to feel sadness and you're going to feel the depth of that sadness. You're going to feel that whole experience. If you are sick and on your deathbed, you're going to feel a whole different level of experience. If you sell your company and make a bunch of money, it's a whole different experience. So you're just enjoying your, or a minimum, you know, using the word just appreciation of the moment that's in front of you. Uh, and that's for, for me, like what meditation has done is given me the first glimpse of how good I was to everything. And then it was the the everyday technique of how do I then how do I not have to meditate and and then go act because I think some people so much of us just want to start meditating and then um, and 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 just stop there. But the reality is is once you get on this meditation, you'll start recognizing all of these other areas where you're glued on, so that you can start doing other aspects of work, including meditation. Is one is you should do it. Like it's just always a reminder to stop and pause reflect, remove some stored, some scars or energy that's in there, you become a little clearer, you become a little bit more um, kind of open and you start bringing more of that into your daily actions, which then become more purified. I think that's why it's maybe very hard for people to get started with meditation because you hear about meditation being this like very peaceful, transcendent experience. Yes. Personally, that has not been my experience with meditation. You know, I feel like I'm still very much in a like, oh, there's all these thoughts and whatnot, but the space between noticing them and the thoughts gets bigger and bigger. So that's like great. It's motivating. But that when you sit down and you're sitting there and just watching all these thoughts ping-ponging around, you're just like, oh, I must be doing something wrong, you know? But that's like the actual work. And I think that in the beginning to just making the commitment, like I'm just going to sit here for 15 minutes or five minutes or whatever to just say, like, I'm going to show up and do it, you know, and it, not having any expectation about what it'll, the experience will be. Yeah. Because um, I think it takes, or I'll ask you, does it take a while? Do you think to get to that place where you're having more deep, peaceful meditations? Is there like an extended period of just being like becoming familiar with your mind and then moving to more deep, peaceful meditations? You know, uh, still to this day, I mean, there can be months that go by and they're very deep meditations. And then all of a sudden, like you have very high surface level meditations because there's more activity going on in the, in the, in the mind that you're just trying you just doesn't need to go deep to release. You know, Dr. Smith answered that question wonderful one time for me. And he said, if you're if the deeper meditations, like well, you starting to pull up really deep stored stuff that are down there. But if there's a lot of like surface level, it doesn't need to go deep to release it. So you don't necessarily go deep. So like that's why if something that is happening that you may not want to happen and you try to meditate, like it's very hard to go deeper into that meditation. But that's the most important part time to meditate because what you're learning is the separation that thoughts can just be there and you don't have to engage with them. And I think that becomes the gift that you get from meditation is that you can, all the thoughts can do that. They can be there. They can be yelling. They can be frustrating. They can swear at you, whatever they want to do. They can do all of that, but you don't have to pay attention to them. It's the same thing, by the way, with, with releasing. Like people have this idea that when you're releasing the energy or you're, I'm sorry, when you're, when you're relaxing to that first part of the energy, that somehow it's going to go away. It's not. Most of the time when you're relaxing, it's still there. It's still going ballistic, but you're still relaxing through it and you're going and then people will ask well well it's still there well it's not like you relax for a second it goes away you have to keep relaxing and relaxing and relaxing and you may you can do both by the way can you be relaxed and have your mind go ballistic can you be relaxed and have the fact that your your emotions or you can feel this disturbance inside yes you can 
That's that's the difference because there's a, there's a bifurcation, there's a separation between that. And it's the same thing in meditation, is you can be in there, the experiencer of the experience, experiencing the mind having all of these thoughts, which then you can bring that same aspect into the relaxing part of when the, the energy or just a surrender part of the energy, which is you're surrendering, you're relaxing behind the energy, but the energy can be wildly disturbed and you're going, wow, this feels like wild journey right now. Like this, I've literally said that. I've been like, this is, this is a massive amount of disturbance and energy that's going on here. And yet I'm still is in there relaxed. It doesn't mean that I feel relaxed currently. It just means I'm relaxed and they're experiencing this non-relaxed state that's happening right now. Does that make sense? Yes. Would you call that a deep meditation or like, I guess I'm kind of getting hung up on the word deep meditation. So is deep meditation like this blissful, peaceful, calm state where there's like clouds floating around and whatnot? Or is a deep meditation somewhere where you are deeply relaxed, noticing what is ever happening Um and there is some, there is space between you and that energy. Like, what is a deep meditation? I, um, I think it just depends on how anybody can define it differently. When I think of a deeper meditation, it is like when I'm act, when I'm, when I'm, if I'm meditating, it's like TM, and you go past thought, but you're not sleeping, but you can recognize those different things, and then you can bring that into your everyday awareness. That becomes a your, I want to call it walking meditation because you're not concentrating. You're just, you're just aware of all the things that are happening. And so, you know, you call it deeper meditation or just being in the present moment, I guess could be defined as a deep meditation because being in the present moment is you're fully experiencing everything that's occurring, but yet you're not attaching yourself to it. And the same thing happens in your practice of meditation, right? This is what it is, a practice of doing that. So then you can bring that into your everyday. So something can go wrong in business and you just go, huh, that bothered me for a half a second and it's gone. Or, Something can happen in your personal life and it can disturb you, but you're, if you're experiencing it, you don't push it away. You don't try to hold on to it. It's just your experience. You're going, wow, that, that showed up there. And you're just, there's so much separation there. You see it so clearly that it's just not you. It doesn't mean it goes away instantly. It doesn't mean that it feels comfortable. It's the pain that releases all pain. It's just, it's very uncomfortable. But my point of saying that was when you're, when you're in these kind of relaxation states and you're bringing this the meditational practices into your everyday, you know, get an email from somebody you don't like and you're going, okay, I can just take a couple of deep breaths. Part of like your meditation practice or kind of your relaxing practice or whatever it is, you can be relaxed, but the experience inwardly can be wildly disturbing. Does that make sense? And yeah. for most of the time it is like people have this idea of like, once I start relaxing, it's just going to be gone. No, you relax and it's going to be a mess in there for a while. Mm -hmm. And then slowly, all of a sudden, like, it's kind of like, how do you know when you fall asleep? Tell me the exact time that you did. You don't really know because you don't know when you fell asleep because you're no longer there. It's the same type of thing is the energy is, is so disturbing until it's not. And you don't even recognize that it's not disturbing because it's no longer disturbing you. And so now you're on to the next present moment. It's only when you then go, huh, I'm no longer disturbed or this no longer bothers me is when you can look back on it. Mm. It's like the same thing in meditation. When you get into a deep meditation that we're right, or you get into a transcendental meditation or a spot beyond thought, it's like, when did that occur? Or when did you come out of it? And you're like, well, I kind of know, but like you can only point backwards because when you're in the experience of there, there isn't the mind telling you, oh, you've now entered into deep meditation because you wouldn't be in deep meditation if the mind was telling you that. 
Right. So it's not necessarily um, quiet or undisturbed. I mean, it's quiet because, or you can notice your thoughts in a deep meditation, but you're not attaching to. It doesn't them mean the that. thoughts are quiet. Right. It just mean it doesn't mean the emotions are quiet. It means you're quiet behind that. Mm. You're noticing all those things happening, yes. but you're still relaxing. You're not resisting them. You're letting yes. them come, letting them go. So you're deeply in the present moment as like the witnesser. Or, exactly. Okay. You're aware that you're aware that you're aware. Okay. I don't get the third aware because <laughs> this came up at Project U. And um, I've been, I get, okay, I get the aware that you're aware, but yes. the third one I can't get. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's tricky with words. Um, you know, so the, you're aware that you're aware. So you're yes. in there. There's an awareness mm -hmm. that's aware of the objects. Yes. Then you're aware that you're aware of all of that. Oh. So you're, you're, yeah, it's like, it's like, it, 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 you won't intellectually be under, at least for me, it's, it, it was never really like an intellectual understanding of that. It was just more of like, wow. Like there's a noticing, like I'm noticing that I'm, I'm, I'm aware. And then I've noticed that I'm aware of all of that. It's mm -hmm. like a third level of awareness, okay. but it's, it's you're that's in there. The experiencer is aware of the experience, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's an awareness that, that all of that is happening. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Including you being aware okay. of the experience and then being aware that you're watching yourself be aware of all the experiences. Okay, I think so. I, I, yeah. You, you, it like it's like trying to describe what lemon tastes like without tasting it. Yeah. You, you've probably had it, but like just you just all of a sudden it just dawns on you. It's like okay, I'm aware. I'm aware. Like most people, are like I'm aware that I'm I feel this emotion, but then there's a total aware. There's an immersion awareness that just is that that, that encompasses all of it. That is it. There's like a, further back that you're just like. I can see that I'm aware of this experience, but I'm aware, like I have a triangled view now of all of the awareness that's happening. I've had one like pretty deep meditation experience, but it was driving, which I think is actually people at Project U have brought up yeah. about having very deep kind of transcendent experiences driving. And so when I think about it through the lens of that experience, I'm like, okay, I can, I can see the third yeah. aware though, but I feel like it's a like, Buddhist uh, koan or is that yes. what it's called? Yeah. And it like keeps popping up. Like, what is the third awareness? Yes, I know. And, um, well, koans yeah. are great, right? We did a whole episode on koans one time, but koans are, you know, they're, you know, it's like, what's the one sound of one hand clapping? Yeah. And it's, again, remember I, I we started this conversation off of like, a lot of this is, is pointed in the direction of, we're all saying the same thing. And not just me, like every teacher, they just have a different way of describing it. It may be in yoga, it may be in asanas, it may be in relax and release, it may be in the present moment, it may be in surrender, it may be in, you know, of, you know, holding your energy above your forehead, right? All, all of these things, it's designed, you know, uh, of pulling you out of you so that you're not, because really what, what people are doing when they want to listen to music, as an example, when people are like, I'm listening to music, you listening to music distracts yourself from yourself, which is why you feel better. Mm -hmm. And again, the music can, t and now you're in the music and it can pull you out of you listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. But that's what everything is trying. That's what all of these things are doing. They're practices to getting you to stop paying attention so much to the personal mind or the ego or the self-concept so that then you, that doesn't mean it goes away. The ego and self-concept can stay over here in the corner, but it no longer is, is gripping you. It's no longer, there's so much separation there that it still does its dance. At least for me, it does still does its dance. 
And every now and then it'll grab me for a moment or two, but then it's just, then it's like, oh, there it is. And then you just recognize it and you, the polarity of the two of being caught versus not caught are so strong that you notice that you're caught and then you can quickly kind of move faster to get out of that. But that's just practice for anything. That's just like, if you want to go learn how to, you know, be a professional tennis player, it's like, you can't hit a hundred mile an hour serve, but once you get to a certain stage, you may miss a couple hundred mile an hour serves, but you can still serve it, right? You have to just keep doing the deep work, just like you do for business or for sports or for being a parent, any of these things, you can learn to improve. Spirituality is nothing but a sport, right? But it's the sport of your life, which is every day I wake up and, and I think I've said, I talked about this before, which is for me, I use that energy to drive for the experience of business. And now I've taken that same drive of wanting the experience of what it's like to have absolute freedom, which is to be able to walk through this world, not disturbed, being able to be free, being able to, you know, just to be light so that nothing, if it does bother me, it's, it's in and out and it's just there. And that's just a deep cleaning of what it is. And that's kind of what I've positioned myself. And I think Meditation, again, if you started off, do I need to meditate? You don't need to meditate to reach any state that you want to or increase your states. Meditation is a wonderful practice for people. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing to do, but it's not necessary. It's not required to do it. Um, in fact, there's there's people like Eckhart Tolle, and I just use his name because a lot of people know who he is, who never meditated in his life and reached a level of enlightenment. In fact, he didn't do any techniques really at all, and he found himself you know, doing that. Um, med again, meditations, but he does moments of silence, like they're little mini meditations. They're all, again, all of these techniques and things that we can do are designed to get you off of your mind. That's it. It's just to get you to stop putting all of your energy into you buying into the concept of what your mind is saying is accurate. Do you think the best kind of approach is to find something that resonates with you? So if it's not totally, meditation, yeah. it's something else. And then the experience is like that you have some success with that. And then you, that might work for a while, but it might not work in a year or six months or whatever. And then you can do other techniques like is, do you need to have one technique that you practice all the time or are you constantly kind of cycling through different techniques? I think that's different for everybody. I think, you know, I've continued to meditate because I, I enjoy the restoration of the physical body that it brings. To me, it really works and I still meditate twice a day. Um, but the, the real practice is really done in the moments that you need to let go and relax and get that stuff out of there. Meditation is a great help. You know, the interesting thing about uh, what kind of works for other people, and this is the whole debate of using psychedelics, right, as a, as a way of a spiritual, personal growth. Um, the thing with, like, if somebody comes in to meditate, not everyone has the same experience, right? People can meditate and they go, I didn't get anything out of it. For the fast, vast majority, 90 plus percent of people, 95% of people that take a controlled dose of, of um, you know, either a mushroom or what is it, MG, what is it, uh, mm. MDM, whatever that the other kind of um, hallucinogenic is, whatever it is, or ayahuasca or something yeah. along those lines. Again, in a controlled environment, not like when you're in high school and you're taking a bunch of shrooms and you're kind of just off your rocker. Yeah. If you do that in those controlled settings, I believe what people are really getting at when they're doing that is they, they there's a, and I'm gonna butcher the, psycho, the scientific evidence of this, but it basically slows down your first phase of your, of, there's like three phases of the brain. The first phase is kind of like of that prefrontal cortex of the mind talking so much and the self-concept of image of who you are. That slows down to so such a point where you can see so clearly of what the personal mind is. I'm just, mm -hmm. that's, I've never done it from that angle, but yeah. that's what essentially happens. And almost everybody comes out of there with that experience. 
that's why there are people are trying to push for this to keep going. If people just, it's not like you need to be doing it all the time, but you do it once, you instantly have that experience of what it's like to not have an ego or what, are you, what it's like to not have an ego directing your life because that phase of your mind slows down so much, it almost kind of just instantly goes away. And then, so that's why people have these, these wild experiences, their emotions are so high and they see it for the first time. Well, it's an awakening. Exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what people are, are kind of sharing. And, yeah. you know, people that are, you know, that are, that are facing like cancer or their death the whole time, they, t- they, they do a, a, um, a dose of this um, and they come back and they're like, they're, I'm no longer afraid. Cause you see, and again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't study this all the time, but I'm just hearing this come up so much. And people keep asking like, when are we going to do ayahuasca and all these different things. And again, it's, it's that, that awakening, it's giving you a whole new level. And, but it, it, the reason why it's, it's, I think it's, it's worth exploring right now is not necessarily to go do it, but just worth watching it is because it's, it, it's going to give everyone that experience. Whereas meditation, if you, somebody does a meditation and go, no, I didn't get a feeling of enlightenment, right? Like it doesn't, some people do, but like, I didn't get that state, right? I did for my first meditation, but a lot of people don't. But with a psilocybin, like you take that and instantly, like 95% of people are going to have this, this experience of like, wow, like, mm-hmm. wow. Like, and they can never go back. That's why, you know, in, in Will Smith's book, if you ever, did you ever read Will Smith's book? I've never read his book. Um, you know, this is before he, you know, had his episode and slapped Chris Rock, which again is a form of, you know, being still attached to your ego, but he talks about, he, you know, he never really did drugs and he didn't really drink, which I didn't really necessarily know, but he, he did like ayahuasca 15 times. Cause the mm-hmm. first time he went and did it, he was so, it was like a whole, it was like a whole awakening for him. And so he went back a bunch of times, you know, there's football players that are bringing into it now. Like, so again, it's because it, if you, if you do do that, um, you know, under the medical conditions of like people, you know, professional people that are guiding you through these different things, um, it does create this awakening of, of what meditation is supposed to start doing. And hopefully that just orients people in the right direction of going, that's how I can live my life, or that's the feeling that I'm supposed to feel, or giving you some sort of insight into your life, the spiritual realm, um, because it's, it's really slowing down that prefrontal cortex, which allows you, which is like governing, like, who am I in life? And that, that identity, that self-concept drops away. It slows down is what other way I come to understand it. So then you basically, it's no longer being the governor or the interference of life. And so now all of a sudden you're like truly experiencing life for the first time or in that, in that way. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of um, that Michael Pollan Netflix documentary where he, he, was, he was like, um, did a few different, just a while ago when I watched it, but he went to a few different places to do different types of like ayahuasca or different ceremonies and basically exploring say like half a dozen different ways of reaching that state that you're describing through um different traditions and cultures and whatnot and it makes me think about just how these ancient cultures have had these things as part of their culture that people would experience as part of their life journey um is that the guy that wrote the book that just came out I believe I think the Netflix documentary is based off. The yes, book. so I think I just actually listened to an, a podcast with him doing that. Okay, that's talking about like the ancient traditions, even the Bible, like the way before even the Bible came out. Like these, all of these people went and did these ceremonies. Is that what you're talking? Yes, yeah. yes, it must be the same guy. He did all these ceremonies when they were like, and they did it every year, and it was like the it was kind of like an awakening, and everyone kind of had these wonderful, and they would they were all mixed cocktails with all these different drugs basically to get them to experience that. Mm. Is that what it was? Yeah. 
I don't know if that specific example was in the documentary, but just this idea that there have been avenues for exploring spirituality and creating these yes, awakening experiences forever, yes. for a long that was, time. That was this, yeah. And in our culture, you know, obviously there yeah. was like the whole LSD episodes yeah. and everything like that where it became criminalized. And, yeah. But psilocybin, like you're saying now, coming yeah. back is like almost a medicinal or type of... Yeah. Um, it's funny because it's like illegal, but like legal everywhere. Like it's just weird. Like you yeah. can do it under dot it's like for all that. Even honestly, like you go eat like a you know like a like a THC brownie or like none of that. Like I think it can bring. I don't know if it brings to that same level, but it can bring some level of like slowness to see thoughts differently mm-hmm. and how you are. It's just it's just it's just wild. But again, I think those are those are you know those are ways that people can kind of reorient their life so that it just stops them in different things. And I think for me, meditation did that, right? Mm -hmm. That was that kind of that point of going, okay, this was the experience was so strong that I realized how much I was in my head. And I think that's also when people do like some sort of psilocybin or some sort of ayahuasca is like, they realize how much they've been living this different life. And that's why they, they're now changed because once you see it or once you really experience that, it's really hard to go back. Yeah. And that's at least from, from my experience. So, yeah. Yeah, it just makes me think of, like, to kind of answer the original question, like, do you need to meditate? It's like there are so many different ways. Some people go in on silent retreats in the woods exactly. alone for weeks yeah. at a time. Or, you know, I mean, there's so many different approaches, but anything that is creating that space between yeah. thoughts. And- I, would, I would say that, generally speaking, meditation is a wonderful thing. Um, and I don't know why you put generally, I think, I think everybody would benefit from some form of meditation. Um, now the form of meditation that you do or the type of meditation that you do or, um, is, is you can debate that. But again, I think for me, if I just stayed with TM, I don't think I would be as far along as I am. And so TM was a form that got me into that. And then it's bringing really a meditative practice into everything you're doing, which is just being aware. It's relax and release. It's surrender to the moment. It's being in the presence. All of those things is more of like a meditative daily actionable practice because it puts you as close as you can um, with the laws of consciousness, which allows you to make better, clearer decisions.